if you had to give yourself a label within Christianity, what would it be? Yeah. Um, yeah. If we had to give myself a label, I guess it would be reformed. How would you define a Calvinist just briefly? I think a Calvinist obviously would kind of run similar to the thinking of like John Calvin, focusing on the sovereignty of God and then like parts that you have to do with like election um, and perseverance of saints and um, things like that. Yeah. And so what, and it's kind of hard whenever you just throw that word out there, there's a lot of tons of misconceptions along those lines. And what, what would be some that you've um, run into? I think the biggest misconception, um, especially running in uh, like uh, Calvary Chapel Bible College and yeah. um, kind of stuff like that. My, my mom, like when we, when we talk and stuff is uh, it, it goes very fatalistic really quickly. I think, yeah, people see like, oh, well, okay. Like, unconditional election and like irresistible grace like are you are you trying to say we're just robots then like like why why is god doing any of this this whole universe thing if like he's just got it planned out i think that's uh the biggest roadblock i run into i'm I'm assuming that you weren't always that way right yeah no no i wasn't um i grew up in just like a, a regular christian home um uh, went to church sundays and wednesdays and um uh, we always went to to calvary marietta um, and so my family was very much, uh, basically like, like solid, just Calvary, um, pretty Arminian in, in thinking and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just like evangelical, I guess. Uh, and so, yeah, I, everything that I heard was just kind of from that frame and I had never really like seriously studied myself. So I just kind of said, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Like robots are dumb. That, that, why would you want to be a robot? Like, I'll go with that, you know? Yeah. And so how, how did you exactly come to that understanding? Yeah, um, I think it, it actually started um, forming like a, a couple years out, like before Bible college even, like like very, very slowly. Um, because when I came to Bible college, I had only been a Christian for about a week, um, my first semester. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think coming to the understanding of God's sovereignty and stuff was kind of twofold. Um, one was definitely like my studies at Bible college. But even before that, and what struck me really strongly was kind of like how I saw God's sovereignty like in my own life which is probably like, like a decently long thing. Do, would you want to go into that right now? Yeah, absolutely. And while you're at it, you want to explain yeah. exactly what uh, God's sovereignty means? Because, you know, not many people actually know what God being sovereign means. Okay, cool. So yeah, to me, God's sovereignty is uh, almost like when you think of like, like a sovereign like king back in like medieval, medieval times and stuff, what that king decreed came to happen. And so a lot of times, like obviously human kings aren't all powerful. And so there's, there's people that can defy like the king's order. But when you start to look at like the, an all sovereign king of the universe, omnipotent, omnipresent, all that kind of stuff, things that God decrees, he sovereignly accomplishes. No one thwarts the plans of God in that. It's kind of what I would sum up God's sovereignty as. Yeah. Um, and so with that, you know, like uh, when I, I, like I said, I grew up in just a, a regular Christian home and, uh, did not grow up like Christian myself by any means. So my, my father was like a preacher and like every morning would study his Bible. But then by the time I was five, like I kind of realized like my family dynamic was really off. Uh, my dad was like really, really like verbally abusive um, and very like physically intimidating, um, like punching holes in walls and tearing down doors and like a couple of times like having to call like the police because like arguments between him and my mom were like so crazy. Um, a big part of that was because like he, he'd get, um, cheating a lot and so there's a really really awful man if you could like, have like a walking billboard for like total depravity um it'd be like, it'd be, like right up there you know and uh, so i was just like yeah like i don't i don't like this guy i don't like anything that he stands for 
And so I grew up very bitter towards Christianity and it all seemed very um, hypocritical and, and very like Pharisee. Like it's just this veneer of being better than other people. So you could talk down to them when deep down, like it doesn't change people. It didn't change my dad. And so that's, that's kind of how I saw it. Um, Is that your biological dad? Yes. He, yeah. He's my biological dad. Yeah. So that was your idea of like a father, right? And so like you had never understood anything other than that being your father. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my father was this person I could not depend on someone who was like, yeah, very, very like, um, he played the morality card when it suited him. And then, um, when he wanted something else, you know, like he would just kind of go away from that side of him. Yeah. And so, so that was like my biggest picture of a father. Um, so then growing up, obviously I had a lot of dad issues. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know where to turn for, um, I don't know, to be like verified it, like by other people and stuff, you know, like I, I always just kind of wanted my dad to like respect and, and to love me. And I, I didn't get that. And so I found it in like friends who thought I was cool by like being crazy and like always doing like the crazy stuff, like acting up in class and going out and like all that kind of stuff. So I graduate high school and, and I get in a relationship with this girl who was Catholic, just by like a nominal Catholic. Yeah. Um, and I was like nominally Christian. And so like, I didn't see like a big deal with like us dating. Like we didn't really have like any conflicts. We, we probably would if like we actually cared about like what if you're actually we, practicing what you believe. Yeah. Yeah. If she was a practicing Catholic and I was a practicing, um, evangelical, we'd probably have some issues, but neither of us were, yeah. um, yeah. And so she went to school on the East coast. So I would fly out for like her, like sorority, like, um, events and different stuff like that. And yeah, just kind of lived uh, for about two years out of high school, just, just kind of the college life. And then what ended up happening uh, was, uh, and this was kind of like a recurring thing. Um, there's been multiple times where I've seen God's hand kind of like guarding and like guiding my life, which really like looking back, I, I see like the sovereignty of God and all of it. So there's there a couple times where like I really almost died like before Christ, um, before being saved. One of them was like, I was five years old. And I was riding bikes with my family on the sh on a side of the street, kind of going towards traffic. And it was nighttime. And so they had little lights on the back of their bikes. And they would tell me, um, hey, just follow our light so that you don't go into the street. Like, just just keep keep on with our light. And so I was like, yeah, okay. But I was a five-year-old little kid. Um, and a car was coming up the street towards me. And I got distracted and confused on which light I was supposed to follow. And so I saw the car's light and I thought it was the back of my mom's bike. And so I started veering into the road um, and she turned around and just saw me like right in like the middle of the street and the car, like not stopping. And she thought for sure the next thing she was going to hear was just like a car crashing into a bike and out of nowhere. Like I just like turned like right out of the way. And so like, yeah, just protected um, that way. There was another time on a bike too, where um, a semi truck was kind of tailing me and I, I almost slipped the pedals and almost fell in front of it. So bikes like are not my thing. I need to stay off bike. <laughs> and then uh, another time I was, I had just gotten my license and I was, I had gotten a truck and uh, where I live, the on-ramp to like my school uh, for the freeway is just a single lane. And there's a kind of steep hill on either side, kind of like a ravine, um, about a 30 foot hill um, and decently steep. And so I was turning onto the on-ramp and I started to hydroplane because it had just started raining. And so I end up going off the side of the on-ramp um, and I roll my truck down the hill three times doing like a flip down it. And my, I, my truck lands like wheel side down with zero scratches on me. And I'm, I'm just sit, wow. sat there like, what the heck just happened? 
And so like, so far, what I'm hearing is like, um, God being sovereign, he's telling you don't be around anything that has tires. Yeah. Just stay away from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I only walk places these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, just time and time again, um, throughout like all my young life, uh, God really protecting me. I wasn't, I wasn't saved yet. And the biggest time came January 1st, 2015. Like it's the day that changed my life. So I had, I had been dating this, this Catholic from high school for about two years at that point. And it was January 1st. So we wanted with her family to go see the first sunset of the year down at a place called Sunset Cliffs in San Diego. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, cliffside goes straight up to the ocean and people just watch the sunset there. That's why it's called Sunset Cliffs. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, very self-explaining name. So we, w- we went to watch it and it was her mom, her dad, her little brother, me and her. And we were kind of sat on the cliff a little bit down from the street. So you don't really have like full uh, field of vision. But we were watching the sunset. And once the sun went under the horizon, her family wanted to just get in the car and leave. But I really enjoy the part of the sunset where the sky goes from like color to just like pure black. And so I asked if I could just kind of sit by myself and just just enjoy it for like five or 10 more minutes. And I'd be up to the car. So I was actually sat on the cliff side by myself. And I was sitting on the, on the edge with my feet dangling off and it's about a 50 foot drop straight down to rocks. The tide was out at the time. So it was just rocks underneath. And I was looking down and I was thinking like how far that drop was. And like, I would die if I fell, you know? Yeah. Um, and that whole time, um, from when I started dating her up until that point, like I had been on antidepressants and, and really struggling with depression. Um, and there was one time uh, a couple months beforehand that was a pretty big scare of, um, getting pretty close to like taking my life. And I was sitting on the edge and it was, it was the first time kind of with a clear mind, I was looking at like how close I was to death. And I was just thinking like, I do not want to die, you know, like, like in this moment that would really suck if I fell. And so it was a moment of clarity knowing that like, uh, I was like kind of coming around my depression. And uh, so I stood up to get away from the edge of the cliff. And uh, when I stood up, the cliffside actually crumbled underneath my feet. And so I was no longer standing on anything. It was just the air underneath me. And I looked down and time like slowed down. And, uh, and I started looking, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm gonna fall like I'm gonna die. And so I started slow mo falling and I throw my arms back to try to catch the cliff. And, uh, and I obviously, I can't stop myself. So I fall 50 feet straight down onto rocks and just slam onto the ground. I tuck my head as I go and I actually end up um, breaking my arm really badly. I have a, a pretty fat scar on my elbow. And so, yeah, I fall 50 feet from the cliff side and nobody's there to see. Um, so I hit the ground. I, I just, I get knocked out. 10 or 15 minutes goes by and uh and my girlfriend is like where's jesse at we want to get going so they go back to the cliff side and i'm not there and they're like jesse where where are you um and i'm known to like kind of like hide and like jump out and scare people so they thought i must be like hiding somewhere so they're searching around and they can't find me and this couple up the cliff side they're looking down the cliff and they say hey are you okay down there sir and my girlfriend runs to the edge of the cliff and she looks down and i'm just at the bottom of the cliff just unconscious Holy and so freaks out. They call 911 and uh, police cars and ambulances and fire trucks are at the cliffside within like minutes because four people die there every year, I guess. It's a, it's a pretty common place. Um, people take selfies and, and miss their step and, and whatnot. So response time was super fast. 
but they get to me and they have all their lights on, but they say they can't get down to where I'm at because I'm at the bottom of the cliff and they're going to have to call a helicopter to airlift me out. And at this point, there's been so much kind of chaos with all the, all the cop cars and, and the sirens and the lights that the whole neighborhood kind of floods out to watch this uh, rescue that they're about to do. But the helicopter is going to take 45 minutes to come out uh, and get ready to save me. So my girlfriend's yelling down at me, hey, like, help's on the way. It's going to be 45 minutes. And at this point, I'm conscious. So I'm, I'm just like, yeah, okay. And then I, I pass out. And then I come to, and the water has started to come back in. The, the tide's coming in. So I'm sitting in like an inch or two of water, and I keep passing in and out. And so one time while I'm awake, she tells me to prop myself up on a rock so that I don't pass out face down and drown in the water. So I go and I do that. And then I keep passing out. And eventually, long story short, this surfer comes up uh, the coastline and he just kneels next to me. He doesn't run up and he doesn't like check my vitals or anything like that. But he just kneels next to me. And I look up at, at who came to me and we made eye contact. And the weirdest feeling like head to toe, like flooded over me, this weird warmth, where obviously I was sitting in water. So I had onset hypothermia. Um, and this total warmth just flooded over my body where I wasn't cold anymore. This total peace flooded over my body where I didn't feel any pain from my broken arm anymore. And then also like a total peace where like I wasn't afraid anymore. And it was the weirdest thing. And I was like, who the heck is this guy? And so then I pass out and I come to and the surfer's still there. So I'm just like, okay, cool. This guy's watching out for me. Um, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be okay. So uh, skip 45 minutes forward and the helicopter finally gets there. They lower down a little gurney with a, with a guy on it. He throws me on the gurney and takes me up into the helicopter. And so I'm thanking the helicopter crew the whole time. Thank you so much for coming and saving me. I'm sorry I ruined your New Year's day. And they're just like, and they're just like no, don't worry about it, man. You're good. And so I get to the hospital and I'm saying the same thing to the doctors that are doing surgery on me. Like, I'm so sorry, but thank you guys so much. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, so I get to the recovery room and I ask uh, my girlfriend's family what happened to the guy that was down there so I could tell him thank you. And um, I guess like my apologetic like expression and saying thank you to everybody got around the hospital. So my girlfriend's family was like, don't worry, like you've already thanked like the helicopter crew and you thanked all the doctors and stuff. You thanked everybody that you need to. And so I was like, no, 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 not the, not the helicopter guy that was down there. Like the surfer that was there before the helicopter got there. What happened to him? Like, I want to tell him thank you too. And my girlfriend looked at me kind of weird and she just said, uh, Jesse, like I watched you from the moment that we found you until the helicopter came. I didn't take my eyes off of you and I didn't see anybody down there with you. Man. And, uh, yeah. And so I was just like, Whoa, what is happening? And so I was like, this sort of sounds like that Christian thing that my family is always on about. <laughs> and so I made everybody leave except for my brother, who was actually at um, Bible college at the time. He was like the most like godly person that I knew. I just told him because no one in my family knew about uh, my depression and stuff. And so I just said, hey, Josh, like I've been struggling with depression for a year. I've been really suicidal. I've not been living like a good life at all, too. If this Christianity thing is like true, I think I just saw something that nobody else saw and uh if if hell is a real place and i would have died today i think i would have gone to hell so why did i see somebody or something that nobody else saw and why aren't i dead because i just fell 50 feet you know yeah. and um he was just like yeah dude, honestly i think like god wants to get to know you like he saved your life like you should really think about that and so i was like yeah okay 
Yeah. And then um, I thought about it. I really did for like three days. It was kind of on my mind. And then I was just like, oh, whatever. Like I, my friends, like they want to throw me a party for not dying. So I'm just going to go drink a little bit and whatever. And so I was straight back into the world. And uh, that's a human God nature. Wasn't, you know, God does this huge thing. And then we're just like, you know, thanks. Thanks God for a minute. And then it's just like back to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Exactly. Yeah. Not thankful like at all. It was just like, oh, thanks for that. Like I'm going to keep going. Um, but God had his hooks in man, like already right there. Like there was this pull, like from that moment forward, like, even though I went straight back into the world, something didn't feel right. Like the more I started going out, the less right I felt about it all. And I was like, this is stupid. Like the more I drink, like I'm not getting better. Like I'm getting worse. Like I'm not enjoying myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was like, why am I not enjoying the things that I used to enjoy? And, uh, and so, yeah, God just starts slowly calling me. So that next semester, that was in January. Um, so the spring semester, I'm going to a community college. It's like a 40 minute drive away. And it just so happens that, uh, when my classes get out and I'm supposed to drive home, I have to sit in, in an hour of traffic. But exactly at that time was when, um, pastor's perspective used to come on on the radio. And so, so for an hour, I had nothing else to do except for listen to like this Christian radio and I couldn't get enough of it. I was hooked and I just wanted to hear more and more about them talk about this Jesus guy and talk about salvation and talk about all these things. Um, and it really caught my interest. So over that summer, I slowly started becoming more and more interested in God and it started to become like this very natural progression, like a magnet or like, like a moth to a flame. Like I just needed to know more about this God. And then, yeah, finally in August time, about seven or eight months after I fell, I was laying just in my bed and I just said, you know, like, God, like, I don't know what you've been doing in me, but like, I'm, I'm changed, you know, like, I don't desire the same things that I used to desire. And like, this is super weird. And I don't know how to pray. This is all new to me. But like, if you're up there, you know, like you saved me and like, I'm thankful for it now. And I see it. And like, I want to do whatever this is. And, uh, and then, yeah, ended up getting saved right there and then went to Bible college the next week. That's Dang. awesome. That's crazy. You know, the fact that like, I'm sure you can see and many people can see like looking at your life from all the way back there, the first few accidents on your bike, God was slowly drawing you and showing and exposing you to who he was and his goodness and his, his grace, even though it's like an earthly grace, he was trying to show you a glimpse of his heavenly grace, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like um, his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like he was unbelievably kind to me over and over. And yeah, eventually it started, it started catching my attention and I started getting pulled towards him. And uh, yeah, so that's probably the biggest way that I see God's sovereignty is like, I didn't set out trying to get saved, you know, in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, it, it was just this really, really like subtle, but like consistent, like slowly pulling me towards himself. Yeah. yeah. Like during all of that, I'm sure you didn't, or maybe you did, but realize that God was like in control of all of it. The fall, like any other thing that like may have happened in your life, you know, whether it was good or bad, there was, there was a reason to bring you to a repentance is why it happened. You know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I look back on that and um, yeah, like I guess in the, in the moment, I didn't really understand why am I struggling with depression? Like, why am I in this relationship? You know, like it had a lot of problems and stuff, but all of it was to get me to that cliff, you know? And like, that's what that, that was the, God knew that was the thing that I needed, like to fall off a cliff, be as physically broken as I was like spiritually broken and emotionally broken. And to see me in that and realize that like, I am so broken without God and then him coming and, and get me. Um, yeah. 100% like in control of everything. And like knew that that was the way it had to go, you know? 
You know, you have seen that God is sovereign in your life, and we both have seen all the ways he's been sovereign in ours, even through the, the good and the bad. Why should anyone care if God is sovereign? Should they, should they even believe God is in control of everything? Man, the God's sovereignty, is, it's huge, you know? Um, a lot of times, like I was saying, one of the biggest things that we get is God's sovereignty is like supposedly like makes people very fatalistic and stuff. But when I see God's sovereignty, it makes it, it makes me confident and it makes me bold to go out there and like in my own life to work out my salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in me both to will and to do, you know, like it makes me like bold to say, hey, like the work that God started in me, he's going to bring to completion. He is going to sanctify me. Yeah. And because I know that he is behind me in that, I can face the day and like say no to sin and say yes to righteousness. And every single day know that this is God's will for me and it's going to work out. And then you start to look at God's sovereignty in evangelism um, and like world's missions and stuff like that. He says, you know, like his, his word doesn't come back void and it, it accomplishes everything that he sets it out to do. And so, you know, yeah, there's like, there's children out there of his, we have to go and preach to, you know, and like to know that we won't come back and fail. And it's not going to be how well we preached or whatever, but it's God's sovereignty to call people to salvation. Yeah, it just emboldens me, man. So I think it's it's huge to know that God's in control because then we don't have to stress about so much, you know? Yeah, that's so cool. Kind of puts man back in his place where he belongs. You know, man belongs in the dust and God in the glory. Yeah, 100%. So if you had to label your entire life, your, your testimony, um, in one sentence, what would you name the story that God has brought you through? I would say, yeah, one sentence summarizing my whole life uh, and what it's going to be is um, an undeserving, rebellious beggar that God took pity on and brought into his kingdom by his grace and at great cost to himself through his son and has promised to bring into glory one day, all resounding back to God and never onto me. That's awesome. Dang. That's, that's a huge, huge testimony, but all glory to God. Brooke and I always say that, um, and you saw it as well during Bible college, is so many people take pride in their testimonies, but us, when we talk about the sovereignty of God, you know, it's all him. So yes. that's awesome, man. Yeah. Glory be to God. Yeah, definitely. That's so cool, man. Well, thank you. We appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one, man.